0: The podcast series, Brain Aneurysm Conversations, is for general information only. Consult your healthcare practitioners for specific advice pertaining to your individual circumstances. Hello,
1: I'm Cynthia. Welcome to Brain Aneurysm Conversations a podcast series for those affected by brain aneurysms we will talk to family friends and survivors discussing treatments before and after with medical professionals and allied health care along the way highlighting the need for awareness of the prevalence of brain aneurysms and the detection before rupture as the statistics from the brain aneurysm foundation.org in the United States are alarming. 1 in 50 have an unruptured aneurysm. Every 8 minutes an aneurysm ruptures. 50% die within minutes. Sadly, no Australian statistics exist. The podcast series will start with my story to help with that. Series producer Martin Corbin will ask the questions.
0: It sounds a little strange to be welcoming you to your own podcast, Cynthia, but welcome.
1: Thank you, Martin. It's
0: a pretty exciting project you've lined up here. Um, We'll come to some of the reasons why you've started the podcast in just a little while, but we want to start first with telling some of your experience in brain injury. And can we start with your story first? Is that okay?
1: Yes, but can I get you to slow down already? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can do that, and we might explain yeah, some of those things. A for that. Yeah, we yeah. might explain some of those things as we as we go along. But this is an interesting podcast about brain injuries, and you're living with a brain injury. Yes. Tell us about that and how that occurred.
1: Um, on the twelfth um, of March. Two thousand and sixteen, I suffered a ruptured brain aneurysm.
0: And what is that for those people that don't know?
1: Um, a brain aneurysm is—I should know this definition much better. It's a—it's like a, a bubble that forms in an artery, and it can sit there for years and years undetected unknown no symptoms and um mind ruptured and and the rupture means it it's a um cerebral hemorrhage so a subarachnoid hemorrhage
0: so, so like a big bleed in the brain a would that be a way of saying it
1: yes mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and the I suppose interesting thing about this knowing i've been working with you for some time now is this is something that's in the family has also affected your mum is it yes. can you tell me more about that
1: yeah. So my mother had one had a ruptured brain aneurysm in July 1990.
0: Yeah. And did you know? What was it the situation about you knowing what your mother had died from? That tell me about what, more about that.
1: I I knew what I obviously knew what Mum had died from from a ruptured brain aneurysm, but at no point in the last well then it would have been. Uh, 26 years when I had mine, um, nobody ever told me that it could be hereditary. But I now know that they can be hereditary.
0: Yeah, and and so that was a, like a discovery for you in the last number of years has been that it is hereditary. That is some some link with that. It's sort of sent you on a a number of journeys. Having your own brain injury experience, the aneurysm, you've you've discovered a whole lot of things, and we'll come to some of those shortly. So if we get back to your own experience of the brain aneurysm, can you tell me what happened? Did you just wake up in hospital?
1: Um, it was a Saturday. I was, I'd been at work. I used to own a cafe and I'd been at work, had a normal day at work and then that afternoon um, went to a music festival here in Old Bar with some friends. Um, we'd only been there about an hour and the friends that I was with wanted uh, another glass of wine. I'd had one small glass of wine and I, and I said I didn't want one, which for that sort of afternoon was unusual. Um, but I said to one of my friends that I'd help her carry them back and as she walked up to the bar and ordered I talked to two friends And as I walked away from them, it just felt like I got hit up the back of the head by a truck. Um, It was just um, that quick. Um, But I I walked up to her and she gave me two beers to carry back. And as we were walking back, we didn't have very far to go. She said, your foot's gone weird. And I said, I don't know about that, but I've got the worst headache I've ever had. And walking towards my friends, they could see something was wrong. They said my face had gone strange and my left leg wasn't keeping up with my right leg, I suppose. Um, And one of my other friends walked up to me and asked if I was all right. And I said, no, I wasn't feeling very well. And she said, do you want the first aid? And I said, yeah, actually I do, because I knew there was something really wrong. And then the first man came and they sat me down and he did my blood pressure and it was 190 over something. Um, Asked what drugs I'd been doing to my friends and they said she doesn't do drugs. Um, And then I said, oh, look, it's all right, I'll just go home and I'll have a sleep. And... My friends were very insistent that, no, something was really wrong and that I should go to hospital. The ambulance, the first aid guide didn't organise that. They organised that. And one of them took me to hospital. And um, when I got to hospital, they did um, my history and I told them my mum had died from an aneurysm as a part of the history. But... Um, and they did take me take me through straight away, but then they treated me for a migraine for... We got there at about 6 o'clock. We'd only been at the festival about an hour, on a, it 6 o'clock at night, and they treated me for a migraine for about five hours. And it wasn't until the change of shift came on and when the new nurse came on, he um, realised that I was in trouble and sent me for a CT scan and it came back ruptured ruptured aneurysm and I knew that wasn't a great outcome mm-hmm. um and then all hell broke loose and they were talking luckily they were talking to the neurosurgeon in Newcastle by that time because then they wanted to put me in a helicopter and send me to Newcastle and that and he the neurosurgeon said don't dare, don't you dare you're killer um so it was a road ambulance to Newcastle
0: mm-hmm. so not- y- You are awake all this time and and knowing what was going on around you?
1: In and out of consciousness, yeah. Mm. But in a crazy amount of pain. Mm. I can remember telling them, you know, they'd ask what level of pain. Stupidest question ever. And out of 10, and I kept saying 25. And, um, yeah, they didn't take any notice of that.
0: I'm so thankful for your friends who are at the music festival with you oh. to to almost make you go to the hospital.
1: Yes, amazing, yeah, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here if I didn't go. Yeah,
0: terrific. Well, it's 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 scary to hear that story from you, but um, um, those recollections are quite vivid for you. You can remember all of that and have that story well-remembered.
1: Yeah, and I've told it a gazillion times. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so we we were at the situation where you're still in the local hospital um being told not to go in a helicopter what happened after that?
1: A road ambulance to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: For, for uh, further treatment obviously. What was the treatment you received in Newcastle?
1: Um they tried to um I got to Newcastle at about 2 o'clock in the morning and um, I suppose they stabilised me. I don't know, I was coming in and out of consciousness so I don't really, really know, I don't remember much about this but I do know the next day, the Sunday, they tried to do a, a um, coilet Coil, coil the aneurysm, that's, that's a, a type of treatment for the aneurysm. That's where they do an angiogram. And that's quite, quite surreal because I had to be awake for that. So you're lying there and they're putting something up through your groin, through your artery, through your heart, into your brain, and there's a big screen next to it and you're watching them do that. So it's quite <laughs> surreal watching something go into your brain. And they tried that a couple of times and it didn't work. The aneurysm was too big. So then I had to have um brain surgery, a craniotomy later on that afternoon. Yeah.
0: Wow, it's it's big stuff, isn't it, when we start thinking about you know having brain surgery after yeah. you know being at the music festival basically the day yeah. before.
1: Yeah, just Yes. There's nothing else for
0: that one. And just, um, I'm interested, because you said the pain was at level 25. Um, That was your gauge of it. Uh, Was it maintaining at 25? Was it still a painful experience to go through?
1: Yes. The way I describe the pain is like if if someone put your head in a vice and tightened it as much as they possibly could and went, no, not quite enough, let's blowtorch that as well. So, yeah, just incredible pain. Yeah.
0: So um, I'm imagining that you're looking for some relief from the pain but also ex- explanation as to what, what, what's going on if you're coming in and out of consciousness.
1: Um, no, I don't know about that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, let's continue that story then. You're you're in uh, Newcastle Hospital yeah. and undergoing the, the brain surgery and how did that go? Was that successful and did it achieve all it was supposed to achieve?
1: i'm alive (laughs) so yes um but unfortunately the it was um a hard place to get to it was the middle middle cerebral artery and apparently i've got um the the lobes were hard to 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 uh, part so they take a like a like almost like a golf ball sized section of skull out, mm-hmm. and then they go in through there and they clip it off, clip the aneurysm off, and it, unfortunately they re ruptured the aneurysm during the surgery, mm-hmm. so it took longer and not quite the outcome that they were hoping for. Yeah,
0: but still, but I'm alive. You're alive. You're here today talking to us, which is which is terrific.
1: Most aneurysms is not that statistics are very, the survival rate is very
0: low. Is it? I, I was unaware of, of that. Um, so, well, even then, against the odds, here you are today telling us, telling us a story. And let's continue with that about um, having the brain surgery. Was it a period in time of hospital after that, I would imagine, and, and further recovery?
1: Yes. I think I was in hospital for, I don't know, two, two months, two and a half months. So I'm in John Hunter and then I went to another private hus- hospital in um, Newcastle.
0: I, I want to talk about your leaving hospital as well. I mean, the hospital experience is different, but I want to talk about your leaving hospital. When you finished your time in hospital, what happened?
1: When I finished it, mm. I came home. Once I could walk up a flight of stairs, it was off you pop, home you go.
0: <laughs> just
1: like that Yeah, literally just like that And I was pretty determined to walk up a flight of stairs mm-hmm. And I think um, yeah, I suppose this is part of the journey I'm on now Because when you're in hospital It's a very um, controlled environment, I suppose Where you get fed three times a day They give the medication um you are in bed most of the time um after they've you know got you walking again and and things like that but um yeah it's it was literally just off you pop home you go without any um prearranged rehab I suppose yeah yeah right so
0: as long as you can make it up the stairs you're okay to leave the hospital yeah. but leaving that totally supported environment to basically one of Almost no support outside.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And did you? Well, I just wonder what you thought about that at the time. Would you think, well, great? I just
1: wanted to go home. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> so, um, I can remember even, you know, quite soon after the operation, I just thought I thought I'd be back at work within two weeks. Mm. I didn't. Yet yeah, had no concept that you know it would affect the rest of the time
0: yeah H- had the the medical staff sort of run through what changes you could expect anything no. like that
1: no Wow. I'm so, not well maybe they did but yeah. i could i'd i'd have no recollection yeah. of them i can actually the first time that i learned that i had a brain injury i went to the doctor and i said that i'd been looking up about ruptured brain aneurysms I wanted to know more about it um why it happened or you know that and I said I can't find very much about it or or must it might have been some of the things that I'd noticed that wasn't quite right and she just went no just look at anything under brain injury and I'm like what do you mean she said oh you've got a brain injury I'm like what (laughs) how did that happen yeah um yeah it was weird yeah
0: so i want to come back to the um after you left a hospital in in, in just a moment but your personally what what differences do you notice now from your pre-brain injury to living with the brain injury now can we talk about some of those changes because i'm interested to know what the difference is in you what what things do you have now i know you've got supersonic hearing now <laughs> which is something you can hear high pitched and those sorts of things no,
1: world's too loud (laughs) um it's 180 degrees different Mm. really so yeah polar opposite to what my life was before
0: can you tell me why and
1: how uh well i had a cafe so um dealing with lots of people and multitasking and um all those things yet that just does not happen anymore
0: As as in, you find it difficult to multitask on things. You're more single focused and keep things pretty simple.
1: Yes, it's got to be, um, yeah, one thing at a time, Um, and one person at a time. Like, and I can only cope with um, talking to one person at a time or one person talking at a time. I can't understand um, what's going on.
0: Yeah, so that's a little bit of um, yeah brain capacity, I suppose, and being able to process, process processing things. Process. What what about physically? Um, any changes there?
1: Uh, it's called left side neglect. So, um, oh, it's, it's such a hard thing to. It's changed a bit. When I first came home, um, it was I felt very like my head my brain was disconnected to my body it's a really hard thing to explain Mm. um and i wasn't i'm not me um my old self was like a ghost standing behind my left shoulder
0: uh, well, that, that's hard to describe and it's hard to sort of really comprehend if you haven't been well fine find that hard to comprehend what that yeah. was like i can only just imagine what that would be like yeah, so. it's
1: just like imagine cutting your head off and putting it over <laughs> to the left a bit or to the right a bit <laughs> yeah and just not connected to your body there's yeah. a v- big disconnect so then having to get your body to work in what you normally think is just like incredible concentration mm like so you've got to think of act, everything, every movement.
0: We spoke about some of the changes that you've noticed in yourself, but what about how do you view the world now? Um, I know you use a lot of analogies to, to describe to me, but can you tell us how you view the world now, what, what's different there?
1: Well, the reason I use the analogies is because it is really hard to explain to people and I do look all right. Um, So I find analogies are the easiest way to explain to people. So some of the analogies I use are uh, fairy floss. So my memory is like fairy floss. So, you know, when you eat fairy floss, it's there and it's quite tangible. Mm. But you put it in your mouth and it just goes (laughs) and it dissolves. But you might get little bits of sugar stuck onto your fingers or around your mouth. Mm And I can pull, sometimes, threads um, from a story or a conversation in. The right conversation and the right people don't always go together. Um, But, yeah, that's the best way to explain it. Uh Um, Yeah. Like, it's, again, it's in the moment. When I'm in the moment, I'm there. But the, um, yeah, it doesn't last. just disappears.
0: yeah I, I get that fairy floss idea I mean yeah. we, we all have a bit of that sort of memory lapse and from and time to time but it's different not say you're no a brain no person. No, I've got no, no I but but, but but we do have that but this is completely this is different so
1: different yeah so different yeah not even close to
0: <laughs> well, oh, I wasn't trying to compare and it's, no, no. it's not a competition either <laughs> no. uh, now the other uh, the other analogy you've used I've heard you say is, is uh, whether it's vision you're describing but tell me about that looking through the 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 wet glass
1: Uh, looking through a foggy shower glass no it's not vision and that's a really hard one to explain for me i don't feel grounded um nothing's solid and it's like the world i view the world through a foggy shower screen yeah nothing's quite tangible like you can't you can't put your hand through it it's it's a really hard thing to, do. but yeah, it's like you're viewing the world through a veil or a foggy shower screen. And
0: so, how does that does that change your behaviour? Because you're seeing it that way. Does it? Do you feel it has an impact on you?
1: The world's not solid. It's it's a really really hard thing to to explain. Um, it's like I'm not me. Um, people pat you on the arm and just go, "Yeah, you're you," and it's like, no, no, it's different. Mm. Um, yeah, the shower screams. you know, quite different. The other analogy I use is probably a, a bigger one and um, it's the day my brain did an accidental update. So if you imagine your brain as a smartphone, um, the aneurysm for me was like an accidental update. So the things that have changed is the camera's different. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because I view the world so differently now. Sometimes it goes to Turkish. (laughs) Don't know why. The world, yeah, everything just comes in like Turkish. I've got no idea what anyone else is saying. Don't know why I picked Turkish, but Turkish. Um, Lots of my favourite apps are missing um the music's gone lost that one that's the music app's gone altogether. um the speakers are really crap (laughs) (laughs) really crap you can't get a balance at all (laughs) and um unfortunately it's the processing chip you can't go back we can't restore it to factory seconds Yeah. yeah It's just different.
0: That is a terrific analogy. I think we all get oh, that.
1: And the other thing is you're working on a 2% battery. <laughs> so you've got to do everything on a 2% battery because um, that's the fatigue is just nuts. I still sleep, you know, if not an hour, two hours every afternoon. Um And it's not like you have a choice, it's like a plug gets pulled, you just have to stop or you literally fall over and it's literally fall over.
0: Now, I said something earlier about, um, yes, we all have memory loss, um, which sort of indicates to me that, you know, people without a brain injury don't really understand what it's like for people living with a brain injury. Would that be fair to say that they yeah, don't really totally. understand? We don't, we don't get it.
1: Don't get it, and that's why I think the talking to the peer to peer thing is really important. That because it's like you've got to get a new normal, and you don't know what's normal. Um, so if you talk to someone else that's been through a similar thing, and they go, "Oh, does this happen to you?" Um, and they go, "Yeah." A well, oh, quick um, was something came up on facebook and i'm on a thing for aneurysm survivors and they're american um, because there's nothing here really for australian and one of the things was something i can't remember exactly what the question was but it was like um getting dressed um and i put I, i did actually answer on that one and i said yes I've quite often gone to town with my dress inside out. And as we've discovered today, I've got my shirt on inside out. Um, and very early on, I had to have a post-it note that actually said, get dressed. Because, yeah, I would forget to get dressed. Mm-hmm. And I did get caught outside once. <laughs>
0: right. so, so it's safe to say um, living with a brain injury can be an adventure as well, maybe. Uh, Surprises. Total <laughs> adventure. Good. Yeah. <laughs> For the neighbours as well as <laughs> yourself. <laughs>
1: And, like, that's another thing I'm quite lucky about. I still have my sense of humour. Mm. So when I fall out of cars, on the passenger side particularly because I've got a left-side deficit, um, yeah, and I end up in a gutter, you got to laugh at that.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm really also, um, um, well, impressed by the fact that you've turned not only your um, knowledge and growing knowledge of brain injury into the podcast, but I know you on a sort of mini speaker circuit, if I could put it that way, of going to talking to to other people about your experience. What, what's the reaction like from other people when you go and speak to them and what's it like for you to get up and talk in front of a group of people?
1: Well, I was worried about that because I one of my greatest fears in my previous life was public speaking. I have lost that fear totally Um yeah, I don't seem to have any fear now too. That's a bit weird. Lost my temperature gauge as well. That's another thing. Um, but yeah, no, the reaction's been good. I've had Catherine with me at those events, and I think we've been we've been doing it for the Stroke Foundation. Um, and that's been yeah, no, that it's been good, and it gives me a chance to talk about aneurysms as well.
0: But it's a, a, like a, you, you've done specific planning. After all the things that you've said, you how your brain works differently now mm-hmm. and your coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. to approach giving a speech to a group of people, you've obviously had to do special things to be able to do that, um, planning the speech, having your own notes and those sorts of things.
1: Well, that it's been good doing it with the Stroke Foundation because their notes and their um, presentation... Things are, are really, um, really well organized, and yeah, it took a it took practice, and um, yeah, but their their resources are very good.
0: Um, now you mentioned the temperature gauge. You've lost your temperature gauge. What do you mean?
1: Um, yeah, I don't really feel hot or cold now. And so it means I can swim all year round, so that's good <laughs> in the ocean, so that's fine. But I did get in trouble from a friend of mine the other day when I said, she asked me what the water was like, and I went, oh, well, it's fine. And she said it was freaking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, it means I have to have um, tape on the shower wall and stuff like that just so I know I don't go past, um, you know, that spot.
0: for too hot.
1: For too hot, so mm. I don't get burnt, because that has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, just on things like oh, and friends will text me and say, "Have you got the heater on?" Because <laughs> it's cold. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, well, that, that that does seem like they're really important and practical things to you. Don't want to scald yourself. And um, look, one other little aspect of your uh, life now is a very important companion for you. That's Cooper, who's underneath us as well. Mm. Is he is he part of your whole support package would you say he has been he's he's, the dog by the way (laughs) he's a
1: black labrador um he is he's turned into the most amazing therapy dog um and from the day i got home a friend had had him while i'd been in hospital and she brought him up to me and i was in bed and he got up on the bed when we first came home and obviously i hadn't seen him for almost three months and he laid with his head on my hip for about 20 minutes just stared at me didn't take his eyes off me then he came up and sniffed all around the scar didn't touch it just sniffed around it and he's been a totally different dog since Mm. um he'll know when i'm going to have a bad day um and particularly in the other house i was living in there was stairs and he'd come and stand on my right side so i could hold his harness and get me down the stairs And he's alerted the neighbours a couple of times when I've had falls. Um, Yeah, no, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, he is. And
0: I I thought he was part of the, like, he came after your brain injury. Like, he's a companion dog or was it a dog you had before? Yeah,
1: he was a dog I had before. And I was actually worried coming home to him because before, like, he was, uh, what is he, he would have been an eight-year-old lab. So very excitable, very enthusiastic for life. And I was worried coming home to him because he is he was so enthusiastic that I'd he'd knock me over or pull me over. Hasn't done wow. anything even close to that. Has been the exact opposite. He knows he's pretty amazing.
0: That, that is that is amazing. Um well you mentioned there, and this is maybe part of your current life of about having falls. You said falling out of cars and things. Is that mm-hmm. a, a common thing for you now? Yes. You don't see you have any scratches or things, but just (laughs) (laughs) show and tell, right?
1: You can have a look at the bruises.
0: Well, I didn't realise that that was was something that is a daily occurrence or, you know, a common sort of thing.
1: Yeah, not the falls daily, but certainly um, wiping out my left shoulder on door frames or doors. You just forget your left side's there or left hip on that thing. So there's always, yeah, bruises there. But that's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you're a long time out of hospital now and living independently and with, with some support, of course, but um, does that get easier in time? Have you learnt to live with that feeling and experience more?
1: Um, easier because I've learnt strategies around it, hmm. yeah.
0: And what, would, what sort of strategies would
1: they be? I just... Have learnt to stay away from crowded places. Well, I just don't go anywhere there's where there's more than two or three people. Mm-hmm. Uh, earplugs, noise cancelling headphones, um, and short term memory Short, as you can tell because <laughs> I've forgotten the rest of that question. <laughs> That's
0: all right. Well, I can see in in your kitchen. I can see little post it notes and that look practical things that you've learnt yeah. to. To, to live your life now that, that yeah. take up um, what you've lost.
1: Yeah, post-it notes are really important. Mm. Routines, really important. Um, reminders on the phone. Uh, calendar. I can't think of anything else.
0: Well, I think I should employ some of those things. I'm, I'm forgetful at the best of times. Anyway, let me ask this question. What's changed or what's the challenge psychologically since you've had the brain injury have you have you is there a sense of frustration anger have you had to deal with those sorts of emotional and psychological things?
1: Well, no, that's another thing that's really changed, and it took me a, a long long time to sort of recognize that because people would keep saying to me, "Oh, you must be so bored because now I'm not working, you must be so frustrated uh, or angry, and I'm like, no, no, oh no, I'm not no. And people would leave me in cars. I know that sounds true. (laughs) Um, but I didn't get bored. And you know, once I went to when, you know, they did some more testing and stuff on me, yeah, it's called flattened effects. So I don't have those emotions anymore. So I don't get angry, I don't get bored.
0: I think you. I think you told me that you're you're quite direct in the way you speak to people now. Um, you, you sort of cut through the the BS basically.
1: Um, I don't think I do it intentionally. <laughs> it's just the way it is now, and it's very um, in the moment. It's like here and now. It's yeah. It's very in the moment. Yeah.
0: Um, we've spoken just now about you know, your story of having the brain injury, the hospital experience what it's like to live with now. And I guess in through the course of this podcast, um, really your experience has led you to wanting to do the podcast. You've wanted to do the I'm podcast. Talking too quickly. Yeah, okay. Let me I'm talking too quickly. Let me slow that down then because oh, and you, that's
1: one of the other things people speak too quickly. <laughs> including so.
0: including the interviewer. Um so but your experience has really led you to do this podcast. Let's talk about the the idea for the podcast because I think um, you've really wanted to support other people. You've got a range of reasons for doing the podcast, but your experiences led you to wanting to do it.
1: Yeah, it was, um, especially here in a regional area, um, it was the lack of services and it was finding those services that was um, challenging ..and non-existent, really. And I'm really lucky and I have been lucky all the way along. One, I survived and with the people that are around me... Um, in, ..in helping my recovery, um, part of it's been... ..and that's what's led me to do this, I suppose um like the people that are that have helped have been because with especially with the um the world being too loud i i couldn't quite work out in the beginning what it was all about and i thought it was maybe because where they'd cut my skull because wow your skull moves around well mine does Mm -hmm. it moves around a lot and I knew, I knew. I, I've got a friend that's got um, that's deaf, but how she hears is through bone conductivity. Mm. So I thought, well, maybe that's changed. So I, I rang her and I, I had to talk to her, and um, she put me on to another lady that's a an OT, and she's she's really helped me as well. Yeah, she said I needed. Um other intervention. Um, so then then they put me onto the brain injury service in Newcastle. So I was going to the brain injury service once a week for eighteen months? yeah, eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was horrendous in itself because, because i've got a csf leak which is a cerebral spinal fluid leak it takes me a while in the mornings to get my head right um it's like a the best way to another analogy is the best way to describe it is like a hydraulic system so csf is fluid that goes around your brain and then down your spine and it should be a sealed hydraulic unit and mine's got a a hole in it like a pin pin hole in it so it doesn't seal properly so it takes the pressure takes a while to um, get right so from lying down to sitting up I get horrendous headaches first thing in the morning and um, yeah so it takes me a while in the mornings to get it together and it also gives me pressure headaches from the weather um, storms and things like that mm-hmm. And even bending down, so I can't put my head lower than my heart. Mm. Um, So we've had to modify yoga and things like that. Um, But getting back to, yeah, so going to the brain injury service in Newcastle, um, it was an incredibly long day because I'd see, you know, I might see a speech pathologist, an OT, a couple of other therapists while I was down there. Um, so then I'd be wiped out for a couple of days after that, because mm. it was yeah it was really long and tiring. Yeah.
0: That sounds sounds exhausting. I mean, just as as we know, any little appointment, going to doctors and things, but when you're going through those deep ones, yes,
1: yes, yeah, it was um, very exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: and you mentioned just a minute ago about the weather can can impact on you. How, how does it impact on you? The weather.
1: Um, If there's storms, low-pressure system, I get really terrible um, migraines Mm -hmm. that wipe me out for a couple of days. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Do you know why? Uh, Again, I think it's got something to do with my CSF. Um, Yeah, it it just doesn't equalise. It just doesn't pressure. Mm. Yeah, the pressure builds up. It feels, again, another analogy is, um, it feels like my head is a water balloon. So if you bend forward um, and if it feels a water balloon, all that pressure goes to the front of your head or the back of your head. Um,
0: yeah, who, who knows? It may just be a consequence of you talking to OT, occupational therapists, and other therapists and brain surgeons that you know a lot about the brain now, but you've sort of done a bit of your own reading as well and you're you're sort of, am I right in saying you're a bit fascinated by the brain and how it works?
1: Yeah, I think that's, um, I'm quite lucky, again, I've still got that curiosity so I've been really fascinated about how different my brain is to what it was before. Um, Yeah, it's really quite fascinating that it can be so different yeah.
0: Let's talk about the podcast. It's a you really want to reach out and provide information and stories to people living with yeah. traumatic brain injuries and acquired brain injuries.
1: Yeah, because one of the things that I've found, um, because I can't read the way I used to, um, I I listen to quite a lot of podcasts. And I did look for ones around brain injury just to get information. and Because I think that's another thing I've been really lucky is I'm still really curious. Um, so, But the podcasts that I found were either um, English or American. There's a lot of American ones, brain injury, but they tend to be quite evangelistic and it was not quite what I was looking for and not quite the information. So one of the... Um, reasons I want to do it here is to empower people with information and make it accessible and suitable for people with a, either a TBI or an ABI, and a TBI is a traumatic brain injury and an ABI is a acquired brain injury, so it's things like slowing down. Yeah,
0: and you're looking at me when you say that, <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and just the way the information is presented. Mm. So, and a variety of information and stories. So, it's a peer to peer thing because talking to someone that doesn't have a brain injury, they really don't get it. Mm. Um, because it is one, it's an, inv, a lot, for a lot of people, it's an invisible disability because, you know, like I look all right now. Like, you can't see the scar. it's My hair's grown back, so you can't see it. Um, but, yeah, just talking to other people with a brain injury, you know, they get it, and it's that peer-to-peer thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I've seen you in operation uh, talking to people um, for preparation for this podcast, and I can tell you're having a conversation that I'm not part of because it's two people living with a brain injury who understand and sort of get it, and, and I don't. So I'll promise to also try and slow down (laughs) more while we're talking, you're also uh, wanting to um, connect with other people who are part of the whole system, like carers and and people in the health industry. Why would you want to concentrate on them or talk to them too?
1: Well, it's it's to... um, I'd like to aim it at, you know, not just people with brain injuries but their carers... And their families, so maybe help them understand a little bit more. And if they're hearing stories from other people, they they'll be going, "Oh, okay, so you know, you know, this is more common, or this is the way." And just to give people some strategies to help with day to day stuff, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, I lost that.
0: Well, uh, well, that's the carers, but there's also, I, I think, we have in oh. mind to talk with your surgeon about brain injury. I mean, maybe and others yeah, who are yeah. like the specialists and the the professionals.
1: Yeah. So to yeah, so a whole the whole range of you know brain injury topics, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And not everything's going to be suitable for everyone, but yeah, someone might be interested yeah, in that. Yeah.
0: And and I think. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the main drivers was when you, as you told us, when you left hospital, there was not, not much out there for, you, for guidance or information or support.
1: No, there wasn't. And just to receive the information differently as well, so not just written. Um, like I tend to use podcasts a lot because you can tap into them, you can go backwards and forwards, and hearing it, Is different to reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a different way to receive the information. Mm -hmm. And it will work for some people. It won't work for other people. Mm -hmm. Because every brain injury is different. You might have the same injury in the same place, caused by the same thing, but it will be a totally different outcome. There Mm -hmm. might be some similarities, but it will be a different outcome for everyone. Mm -hmm. So whether it's... um, Tips and tricks like strategies, um, you know, and talk to OTs, things that might work, and just all in one space and in an Australian voice.
0: Yeah, I think that's imp-
1: hopefully relatable for different people. Yeah,
0: that, that Australian voice is really pop- important. You mentioned before, and I did a quick search of what's available, and it really is American or doesn't seem to gel with us Australians.
1: No, it doesn't. Mm. No, we need something, and that's why. And that's why also the peer to peer thing is like hearing other people with a brain gi- brain injuries stories. That's why it's important. Yeah.
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to add at this stage, Cynthia? It's your podcast, after all.
1: Not that I can think of offhand. No.
0: I think it's a really fantastic project you've got underway, for all those reasons that you've said. Of bringing together in an Australian context, brain injury, you know, people living with brain injuries, their carers, the experts, and providing something. But I think you also have stepped, you know, you've learned a whole new bunch of skills and taken on a, a new challenge. So while you said yourself you've, you've changed from your old self to your new self, your new self is still doing exciting and challenging things.
1: Mm. And I think that's. One of the things that I'd like to stress through the podcast as well um, is a lot of the time when, you know, you're with professionals, therapists or doctors or whatever, they try to get you back to what you were. It's not going to happen. So it's much better to, for me anyway, I think, to play to your strengths. Okay, I can't do this but I can do this, so let's run with this. Um, yeah, go with strengths. Don't. It, a lot of the time it feels like you're hitting your head up against a brick wall when they're asking you to do something that you can't do anymore. Um, so, yeah, any challenges is a good thing. Well, they don't always work, <laughs> but you can give it a crack.
0: Well, um, from what I've seen, you're going from strength to strength when it comes to planning and preparing and putting into action uh, the podcast, so um, we look forward to to further episodes
1: with a lot of help and that's another reason i'm really lucky i've got amazing people around me and an incredible community and living at the beach helps (laughs) it does
0: all right we'll see you in subsequent episodes thanks
1: thank you martin thank you for listening to my story there are many more stories to come on brain aneurysm conversations Until next time, I'm Cynthia.